0: We looked at redemption from God's side, and now I want to apply it to the individual. Um, and if you weren't here, I'll just recap. Um, uh, Kevin was the dog. Stand up, Kev. And the cats escaped. Chased her out. Um, chased her out. Um, Rosie have come and be there. Um, now, remember what we said, um, the, the way... Uh, okay, Rose, you're, you're the um, Persian cat, or whatever. Um, and you're the bull mastiff, I suppose. Now, we looked at it, uh, and basically, you remember what I said, that um, a syllogism is when you take two facts and then you draw a conclusion, and what happens so often is, uh, and to give you a simple example, for those who weren't here, dog, cat, mammals, both of them. True, isn't it? Dog and a cat are a mammal. Four legs on each, two ears on each, two eyes. There's a lot of things common, but... One thing is, if you say, because they're mammals, therefore, a dog is a cat, or a cat is a dog, you'd end up with error, wouldn't you? And what happens so often in lives is people, they, they tell you truths, and then the lie comes in the conclusion. It's what people conclude. That's where always the lie is. Uh... And I gave you examples of it. Uh, how the way um, logic works with people, they think, and the devil always operates this way, he he comes along with a truth. Truth was of Eve, it, you know, well, has God said you, you shouldn't eat of every tree? Well, there's one you can't eat of. Yeah, but now, he says... Um, the reason for this is that God knows you'll be like him. Well, they already were like him. But then he impugns the integrity of God in his conclusion and says, God didn't want you to be like him. And he begins, so two things were correct. And when Jesus was hungered, he said, come on, turn these stones into bread. And then he took Jesus up and he said, cast yourself off the temple for it is written, he's given his angels charge over you. Truth in it. Trouble was the conclusion that really, and the inference was, you win people by proving yourself with the miraculous. And Jesus said, you know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Um, In other words, the truth was out of balance. And there's a lot of things where you get trapped by the lie that there's an aspect of truth in it, but that truth isn't all the truth. And you have to look at things and realize that a dog is never a cat. And a cat isn't a dog because they're both mammals. Is that plain? And I then went through and showed you how it works in redemption. Uh, Man cannot earn uh, his redemption. Depravity is part of a man's nature and he needs to be redeemed and Christ came to redeem him. Now I I want to go on. I want to go on and look at the fact of where you are as an individual. We looked at redemption. Christ has redeemed us all. And redemption is a complete thing. And um, so I want to personalize it now and um, our identification with Christ if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9 You know, it's amazing how people can make lies out of truth. Um, They they take a a subject and they say something that appears true, and then they conclude from it something else. And any argument must always be brought back to Scripture. And the deadliness is when your culture or when your um, philosophy goes away from Scripture. Uh, But when you come to the Word of God and when you come to the Bible, uh, it's not open to draw conclusions. That's what's so nice about it. Your culture has to give way. Uh, There's certain principles in God and those principles can't be violated. And you always have to come back to the Word of God. That's it. That's the only touchstone. And if you start concluding things outside of that word, you end up in error. And so God has made it very simple for us. Uh, And that's why I like something that's simple. Now the enemy of our souls, he wants to always argue... When you go away from the word of God and when you go away from the principles of God, you have no touchstone on which to decide what is right and wrong. When you take away every touchstone and you just say, well, culture has to do it and, and it's people's opinions and the majority is right, you're in trouble. And what has happened is now our nation wants to deny that we're Christian And once you take away the Bible and you take away Christian ethics and Christian beliefs, where do you go for your values? And so now we're a society with no definite, ultimate, absolute values. We're a society that just says, well, the majority must be right. But the reason is they've gone away from Scripture and we always need to come back to Scripture because... The Bible makes it all abundantly clear. And once you come to the Bible, you can't go wrong. Because it's not set for you to make conclusions. Once you do that, you go into error. It means what it says, and it says what it means, and it's God's Word. And there's no right of appeal against it. Let us be clear. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Our identifications with Christ. And listen to this. Uh, It says... um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once... Into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, Jesus Christ has obtained eternal redemption for who? Us. Now, He did it how? By the blood, He entered into the holy place. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, which was how the high priest came in, but he came in to heaven, and it was by his blood he ended him once. and he had obtained eternal redemption for us. In other words, you became a redeemed, saved possession when Christ entered in 2,000 years ago. Now, the outworking of it has to be now, but it is done. It's a done deal. It is not something you wait for. It's not something God is going to do in the future. And so many people, when they come to healing, or they come to deliverance, or they come to something, they always think that God is going to do something in the future. I want to tell you, It's already done and passed. Jesus has done everything he's going to do for you. He's made provision for you, and you've got to understand it's a done deal. There is nothing that you can do by fasting or prayer, or by seeking God, or by beating yourselves... There is nothing you can do to add to what Christ has done, and there is nothing that's going to make Christ's work more efficacious for you by things that you do. Eternal redemption has been purchased by His precious blood. Done. And it's eternal redemption. It's been done. Now, you have to understand that if you come at the identification with Christ any other way, and you begin to believe that somehow God has got to do something for you, you will never enter into faith, and you will never believe because God says it's done. Let's look on. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, for sins, forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before this is my covenant I will make with them after those days saith the lord i will put my laws into their hearts and i will write and in their minds will i write them and their sins and their iniquities will i remember no more now where remission of these is there is no more offering for sin Now is this future, is this future, is it past, is it done? Now there's no more offering for sin. One of the things you have to be clear of, uh, and that is, uh, it talks about people who fall away and trample the blood of the Son of God underfoot. And it says of those, um, you can't renew them unto repentance and there's no more offering for sin. But you have to take it in the context of what this is saying. What the, what the writer to the Hebrews was saying wasn't that they're lost forever. It was that there is no other way to come back to God but the way that's been prepared by God through Jesus Christ The precious blood that's shed, there is no other offering. And so often what I find people do, and Christians do, is along and says, well if you pray more, and you read your Bible more, and you seek God more, God will meet you. Absolute rubbish. God meets you on the basis of what he's done, not on the basis of what you do. You are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And if you are one of these people that believe by praying more, you can get closer to God. By seeking God more, you are in a total delusion. You come to God by a new and living way. That is to say, through His body. There is no sense in which you can do anything because you will negate what Christ has done for you. Is that plain? Huh? Now if you're in an old covenant position and you live with the old Judaic system and your brain has been fried by religion and you believe, you know, well, you've got to seek God, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and then God will meet you. That is totally and utterly untrue. He meets you on the basis Of what Jesus has done. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hey, it's a wonderful thing. When you realize it's all been done. Uh, In verse 10, let's look at it again. Says this. um, Verse 12 rather. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice, or let's take verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And if you look at what's the will, then said he in verse 9, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Now, do you remember when we looked at it, the reason that Adam was in such trouble, was Adam gave away dominion. And we talked about it. The only reason Satan never had dominion over anyone's life was because Adam, in the garden, gave the dominion that God gave him over the creation. Adam gave it up to the devil. He obeyed the devil's voice instead of obeying God's voice. God never gave the devil any dominion over anything. Man gave the devil dominion. And in the same way, I want to tell you that you alone could give dominion to the devil if it were possible over your life. But when you're redeemed and when you're saved and when Jesus establishes lordship in your life, there is no possibility of the devil ever having dominion over you again not in body, not in soul or spirit, because Christ lives in you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He has no power, no authority, no ability and you cannot give up the lordship of Christ and you cannot give up the dominion of God over your life because you've been bought with a price, you're not your own, therefore glorify God. That's it. It's a done deal. Is that plain. Uh, The dominion was a question. And the reason that the dominion was established by Christ is the whole time he walked on earth, the only will he ever fulfilled was the will of the Father. He said, what I see the Father do, that I do. What I hear the Father say, that's what I say. Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. And every true Christian who wants to live in the fullness of what God wants has to live in the will of God. And to live in the will of God means you have to deny yourself, you have to take up your cross, and you have to follow Him. Self-denial and the cross are the only way to live in union and communion with the Lord God Almighty and with His Son. And everyone who professes the name of Christ lives that way. Well, that's the fact. The fiction is, a lot of people, they get saved, God does a real work in them, but they can't bear having their wills tampered with by Lord God Almighty, and they blame people, and especially pastors or leaders, church leaders, when they find that they come up against things they don't want to do. Suddenly, their will is crossed. And they find that God's will and their will are two different things. And they come and they decide they want to fulfill their desires, their pleasures, their wants, and they put that before God. And that's what causes schism in the church. It causes division. Uh, you can listen to it, it comes out of people's mouths, they bad mouth. They have all kinds of things and they're usually very assertive individuals who want their way. Well, when you're like that and you want your way, know this. There's a God in heaven who said, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow him. And to do that, you've got to humble yourself. And the only fight a Christian has is with himself. The devil's out the reckoning. The real problem is your will, your stubborn, bigoted will. The will that says, well, why should I? The will that says, no one's going to tell me what to do. The will that says, I have a right to my life. The will that says, how great I am. The will that says, I deserve this, I deserve that. The will that really panders to the ego, that will is anti-God. And when Jesus lives in you, he makes it plain. Is that plain? Hello? Are you alive out there? You know what I'm talking about, self-will. No? Do you know what I mean? You know that stubborn, I want to do what I want. Gets you in bothered, doesn't it? Hmm? In the end, that's the thing that destroys a man. Desire to do his own way. I'm amazed how often it is the most destructive force in an individual. They're determined to have it their own way. He says, look, verse 16, This is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put their laws, my laws, into their hearts and I will... in their minds will I write them, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Now what have you got to draw near with? True heart. The one thing you can't afford to do as a Christian is have a lying heart. You've got to have a true heart. With full assurance of faith. In other words, you've got to come to honesty and integrity. The word that I suppose, doesn't have any meaning in today's world, integrity. But in my young days, it used to have meaning. A yes would be yes and a no would be no. And a man's reputation and life was based on his integrity. Yes and no. Today it's not like that. But it used to be. And I believe in the church of Jesus Christ it is. You can only draw near with a true heart. In other words, you can't have your own agenda. You can't have your own way. You can't have your own culture. You can't have your own family values. You can't have uh, society's values. You can't have the world's ways. You can't go according to your light you can only go according to God's. And you've got to have a true heart. In other words, you have to be honest. You can't deceive God. If you're, you've got divided motives, you'll discover a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're coming to God and your heart's not true, you can always have Problems. Now, when he writes his law into our hearts and into our minds, he intends us to have true integrity. We've got to come with honesty. And if you're dishonest, you can't approach God. I'll tell you why not that God will not accept you, not that redemption isn't true, not that he hasn't done everything. But the real thing is, you'll feel condemned before him. When you open your Bible, it'll condemn you. When you want to go to church, you'll feel the preacher's condemning you all the time. You'll feel condemned inside. Now, you might respond to it by aggressiveness and by saying, you know, who's he? He's got no right to tell that to me. Fancy him preaching now. You know, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Yeah, well... Basically, it's because you yourself are condemned inside. It's uncomfortable. So the only way you can do that, because you haven't got a true heart, is you come with dishonesty. If you can't sit there when God speaks and when you read his word and say amen to it, then it's because you basically, you haven't got a true heart. And your life is condemned by you. Uh, And that's the way some people are. They just get condemned. They live in condemnation. Now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. But they don't live in that. So they live in condemnation and when truth comes, or when they're challenged, their will is really dominant and they want their own way. And so they find it very hard to approach God. Not because God has thrown them off, just that they condemn themselves. Is that plain? Don't have to condemn them, they feel bad enough anyway and they've got all their little motives going on inside. You can see the little cogs in their brain beginning to whirl when you say something. It's very important to understand that condemnation is your problem. Now, man identifies with Christ, you'll find that in uh, Galatians 2.20, says this, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, it does say in the King James Version, I am crucified with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. It happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, I died in him 2,000 years ago. Um, You'll find it over in um, uh, Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin... For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now that's in the King James Version. In the more modern translation it says this, Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ we were set free from the power of sin. And that expresses it much better, I think, than the King James Version. It is not the NIV Version, that version. Um, Just to point it out, it's not. Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now, liberation came because Christ set us free 2,000 years ago. I find a lot of people, when they're bound with sin, they try and get an experience to liberate them from their problem. Well, if you're trying to get an experience to liberate you from your problem, I want to tell you that experience happened 2,000 years ago. You died in Christ you were crucified with him. It happened, and the truth is that the power of what he did is sufficient for you to walk into liberty and life today. And it's when your faith takes hold of the truth that you'll live in victory. But whilst you seek for an experience to bring about what you believe should happen, you will find that nothing happens in your life. You've got to live. And I live in the reality of what Christ has said he's done for me. He did it 2,000 years ago. I know my old man was crucified with him. But the power of sin might be broken. It was broken 2,000 years ago. Jesus dealt with sin... He dealt with all the problems, the bondages, all the things that could destroy my life, Christ dealt with 2,000 years ago, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. There's nothing that man can do about it. It's a done deal. Is that plain? And when we begin to believe it, you'll find freedom is there in simplicity. But when you seek to get free... You never will. Because what you're asking God to do is what He's already done. And if you remember, there's two prayers God will never answer. God will never do what He's already done, and God will never do what He told you to do. And the trouble in society and in Christian churches is people are always trying to get God to do what He's already done. And that's why they live in bondage. They're seeking some experience. Well, you had it 2,000 years ago. You died in him. When he was crucified, so were you. All right? In Romans 6, verse 6, it says, Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Now, that's what happens. Sin loses its power when you believe it. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And you you died with Christ when you were born again. When you believe the gospel, when you believe the gospel truth, that was the end of it. Now, the truth is, if you've got a problem in your life, tonight you can just walk away from it do not belong to me. I'm dead. My life is hid with Christ in God. That's it. You believe. My old man was crucified with Christ. I live, nevertheless not I. Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's choice. But you have to believe. If you believe, sin has no power over you. If you don't believe, you'll be struggling. You'll struggle to get what you already have. Romans 4:25, you'll find it says this. In Romans 4:25. Let's take verse 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, that's righteousness, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offences and was raised for our justification. I know that I'm justified before God because Jesus took my sin and your sin into his own body on the tree the third day God raised him from the dead to show me that the penalty for my sin and your sin has been paid in full by another. His name is Jesus. And he was raised for my justification. It's just as if I never sinned. Why? Because Jesus took it all. Is that plain? Hello? You understand what I'm saying? Most people battle in their minds and they try and fight and they've got a bondage in their life and they start praying, oh God, deliver me. Were delivered. Oh God, break the path. It was broken 2,000 years ago. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. What shall we say then? Romans chapter 6, I'm verse 1 actually. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Look, you are dead to sin. How are you going to live any longer therein? Put your hand on your chest. Say this, when I'm born again... I'm dead, I'm dead to sin. I am dead to sin. Dead to sin. sin is dead to me. Dead to I don't have a problem. Have a problem. Well, that's the truth. See, you're dead to sin. Okay. No, you're not, verse 3. That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into what? His death. When you were baptized in the Holy Ghost, born again, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, whatever terminology you use, you were baptized into his death. And then it goes on and explains it. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now, I don't believe it's just water baptism. is an outward symbol of the actual spiritual reality of it. I, I, I believe in water baptism. You should be baptized as a believer by immersion when you've come to true faith. But the thing is, you must be baptized in the Spirit. We're baptized by one Spirit into one body. And baptism in the Spirit is essential. But you were buried with him by baptism into death, but like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this... And this is where the King James lets you down a bit. says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, we, if we believe, um, if we be dead with Christ, we believe we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the desires thereof, neither yield your members, and so on. Is that plain?